essence together. It really is. And um, it's just an honor just to be a part of a family, be a part of God's household where God resides. He's here this morning. He's here to bless us, to encourage us, and to lift us up and to take us on into another week. We may have been, like Faye said, through a difficult week. Stuff may have happened this week that's been really tough. It may have been a fantastic week. Wonderful. Enjoy it. But it may have been a tough week for some of us. And whilst we're together, corporately, as a family, Jesus is here to encourage us, to lift us up, to give us strength inside. You know, sometimes we don't have that strength that we need just to meet the needs of another day. We may be thinking today about tomorrow and thinking about all of the pressures that are going to come our way. You know what Jesus said? He said, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. It isn't here yet. You don't have to have the strength today that you need for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. My love will be as relevant and as powerful and as new and, uh, and as unconditional tomorrow for you as it is today. So enjoy today. Relax today. Be still and know that I'm God today. Don't let tomorrow come into your day with its ugly voice, with, with its condemning voice, with all of its cares. You know, God knows when a, a sparrow falls to the ground. That's what Jesus said. He said he knows when a, a sparrow falls to the ground. He's counted and numbered. He's numbered each hair on your head, eyebrows included, nose hair as well. It's all in there. He's counted it all. So he cares for us. Let's be secure in that. Let's, let's relish and enjoy that. No matter what comes your way, like Faye said, God's going to be holding your hand. He really is. He really is. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter, Isaiah 42. Because Isaiah speaks about a God who's, like, like my wonderful wife said, he speaks about a God who created the heavens, who put the earth on its axis. Do you know the earth is on an axis of 23 degrees, isn't it, John? 23 and a half. Whoa. Do you know what? If it went off its axis by a millionth of a degree, not even half a degree, but a millionth of a degree, the whole earth would be flooded. Do you know the earth spins and rotates at a thousand mile an hour, John? thousand mile an hour around the sun. I didn't know this. And you know, if it just slowed down for a moment, it'd all be over. But you see, there's an intelligent design behind it all that holds it in its access, that, it, that allows it to rotate continually to keep us in our place, to keep us secure, to keep us safe. How is that? How is that possible? Because the Lord, God, He's the creator of the heavens and of the earth. 
And he doesn't allow anything to complicate it. He doesn't allow anything to come in and alter what he has decreed. And he set it all up. And Isaiah sees this in Isaiah 42. He says, you're the God of the heavens. You're the Lord of the heavens. You're the creator of the earth and everything in it. Wonderful. And he he sees the majesty and the power of God. But not only does he see the majesty and the might of a God who is a creator, an all-powerful creator that's created everything, but he sees the intimate nature of a loving father, of a God that doesn't only just want to be known for his creative ability, but a God that wants to be known, that will hold your hand in every trouble, that will hold your hand through every storm, that will walk with you through life. And sometimes you think, and I think, that he's let go of our hand. But Isaiah and the Bible stands up to tell us, in every trial and in every circumstance, I am the Lord that holds your hand. I'll hold your hand in the darkest hour. I'll hold your hand in every trouble. I'll hold your hand when you feel under the heel and under the power of something that you're trying to get rid of. He's the one that holds your hand when everybody's let you go. When everybody's left you, he's the one that will hold your hand. The Bible says, the Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? Because I know the Lord is my helper. Not only the one that holds my hand, but my helper. Whom shall I fear? You don't have to fear any circumstance. You don't have to fear anything about your future. You don't have to fear any any problem or, or crisis. Why? Because the Lord is the one that holds your hand. He is the one who is your helper. Let us be assured in that. Let us give our ears and our attention and our thinking to that. Not to all of the other world news that comes our way. North Korea developing its nuclear capabilities at the protests of nations. Flexing their their capabilities militarily and issuing threats recently to the U.S. saying, We have nuclear capability to wipe your nation out. That's a nation that's flexing its muscles. That's a nation that... That, that wants to stand up toe-to-toe with all the other superpowers of the world and say, listen, we're a contender in this world and we're ready to take on, it, take on any aggressor. Iran now getting capabilities, uh, nuclear capabilities sanctioned by the UN. There's a lot happening in our world. Russia flying into airspace that it shouldn't fly into, missiles taking down aircrafts, there's a lot of panic, and our nation is going on different kinds. Our, our nation and the nations of the world are going on to different kinds of alert. But God is not troubled by it all, and neither should be the church. Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You see, the nations of our world and, and, and the earth itself is being shaken. The people are panicking, but we are receiving another kingdom which cannot be shaken. And he is the Lord. 
He is the one that created it all. And I'm telling you now, the destiny of the human race doesn't hang on a man hovering his finger over a little button. Let me tell you. God is the one that can lift up kings. And God is the one that can depose them too. God is the one that can lift up and and exalt a nation. And God is one who can bring a nation to naught. And I... Man, I'm supposed to be preaching on something else. Woohoo! Let me tell you something now. In the days to come, you're going to go into your little humble room, into your, into your little humble house where, 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 where you've thought nothing good can come out of, and you're going to go into your room, and you're going to start connecting with the Lord of heaven. You are consciously going to know that you are going to be going into the presence of God, and you are going to be pressing buttons in his presence. Do you know what? You have access to God's presence. You have access to God's presence. Do you know the destiny of a government can hang on your prayer. Do you believe that? That the, the destiny of a nation can hang on words, a conversation that you have with the King of Glory. And God is going to make this known to us. And we are going to walk into His presence and we're going to do things in the days to come in secret, in private with the Lord. And things will happen. Things will take place as a result of the prayers of righteous men and women. Isaiah 42 shows us that the Lord holds our hand. He holds our hand. He's not only an amazing creator, all-powerful and majestic, but he's intimate and personal and ever-present. Ever-present. He really is. There's another little part where Isaiah says he looks out at the world around him. And he sees how life experiences have spoiled the lives of those that have gone through difficulty and trouble and crisis. And he looks at people. And he sees people's turmoil and anguish. But then he looks away. It's as if he looks away and he looks to the Lord. And he gets this word from God. And God says to him, I will make the crooked places straight. I will make the places that are twisted. I will will go into that twisted mess. I will go into that crooked place and I'll straighten it all out. He He wasn't talking about geography. He was talking about the human heart, the mind of a person, the life experience of people. Do you know, you may have had crooked places, twisted places in your life and you didn't intend for those to become a crooked place or a twisted place. It just happened. You don't even know maybe how it happened. Life hit you. Crisis hit you. Trouble hit you. Fear hit you. Depression hit you. And suddenly that, that, that place that seemed orderly became disorderly. That place that, that seemed complete got shattered and broken. You can go here, there, and everywhere. And nothing will straighten that place out. You can go here, there, and everywhere. You can read your self-help books. 
You can, you can enlist on programs. And believe me, try it. But there's only one person that can make the crooked place straight. There's only one person that can take the, tw- the twisted elements of our mind, the twisted, bruised elements of a broken heart. There's only one that can give beauty for, his, for ashes. There's only one that can, that can make oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. There's only one. And it's, it's the Lord. And he said, I will share my glory with, it, with no other. No other. There's not no man, there's not no woman, there's not no institution, no government, there's not no program that can make the crooked places of our lives straight. The Lord will not share his glory, he says, with another. Basically, he's saying, listen, if I'm going to heal you, I'm going to get glory for it. If I'm going to straighten your life out, it's not, you're not going to be, by the time I finish with you, you're not going to be praising a program. You're not going to be praising a, a, an individual. You're not going to be giving your praise to a book. I will share my glory with no other. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. My God, and what he can do, no man can do. No man can do. And Isaiah sees it. He sees this wonderful, wonderful work of God. Has anybody ever had a twisted place? My my whole life was a twisted place. My whole existence was crooked. It wasn't straight. It wasn't good. There was nothing good in it. It was twisted. It was crooked. There was no hope for it. Absolutely no hope at all. But the Lord, you see, put his hand on me. I remember in the office one day saying, Oh God, you've got a lot of work to do in this. You've taken on a big project. And do you know what he said? And I, I, I mean, when, when I heard it in my heart, I thought, Ooh. <laughs> you are awesome, Helen. Come on. I tell you what, we need a drink of what Helen's drinking. She's been drinking it for years. Hallelujah. Woo! I said, Lord, you've taken on a big project here. And do you know what he said? Little whisper. Come on. Come on. He said, I think I can handle it. I think I can handle it, son. You may see it as a big project. But you know what? I think I can do it. And I thought, oh. And slowly, slowly. You see, sometimes he instantaneously delivers us. And other times, he patiently, tenderly takes every crooked part, every insecure element, and he slowly and gently straightens it out. My life is straighter today. I don't know if this is politically correct or not, but I'm straighter today than I've ever been. Hallelujah! Woo! I'm more straight today, praise God, than I've ever been. And you are too. We're all straight for Jesus. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah! We could call this Living straight for Jesus. 
Oh, he'll straighten you out. See, sin's not your problem. All you can bring is your crooked place. All we can bring is our immoral life. All we can bring is our lying, our cheating, and all of the other crooked places and areas of our lives, and all of the twisted and the distorted elements of our life. The worst thing about religion is that it says you can't bring it. The worst thing about religion is that it says you, you, you have to mask it. You have to hide it. You can't be open with it. But Jesus, no, he rips the mask off, you see. He says, no, come unto me, all who are, who are weary, all who are heavy laden, all who have been twisted and distorted and made crooked by life. Come to me, I'll sort it out. I'll give you, I'll give you rest for your burden. I'll take the yoke off your back. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to say that everything's okay. We'll go beyond the veneer. And Jesus, in his own time, dealing with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, dealing with those that said, listen, you, 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 you can't show it as it is. You can't say it as it is. You have to have this religious, perfect veneer. But Jesus, contending with his time, said that which is hidden will be made known. I will shine a light in a dark place. Now, he wasn't shining a light to expose our shame and expose that crooked nature that we all have. No, light is the power to heal. Light is the power to bring life. Light is the power to, to make that crooked, twisted area of our mind and our heart straight, you see. And wherever he went, he had friends who were notorious. He had friends that nobody else wanted to be with. He associated with, with people in public that... that the religious would have said is a shameful thing, and they did. And yet Jesus, open, willing, readily available, engaged with everybody around him and embraced them and brought them close to himself. And suddenly, the prostitutes, the tax collectors... The, the insane and the deranged and those that had been broken and smashed apart by life, suddenly they were getting healed and they were getting set free and they were getting straightened out, not by rules and regulations and don't do this and do that. No, but suddenly they were finding a life coming from Jesus that was helping them and energizing them and taking them on through because that's what he does. He makes the crooked places straight. And there may be areas of all of our lives today where we look at and we say, Do you know, if I could only, if I could only, you don't have to do anything, friends. It's God that works in you. Both to will and to do is good pleasure. You say, but this habit that I've got is such a hang-up. That's right. That's right. It may be. Or this way that I live, I, I know that it's not in keeping with the Bible. That's right. 
That's okay. But it's not your problem. It's his problem. Because your life is not your own, you see. You've been bought with a price. You really have. You have been bought with a price. Not of silver and gold, but of the precious blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something now. If he gave his blood for you, if he died and suffered on a cross, which he did, which he did, and he was, he was treated in the most inhumane way. If he did all of that for you and I, he'll get rid of that drug habit. He'll get rid of that immoral, immoral problem. He will get rid of and take care of any element that, that is not in line with where he's taking you, my friend. He'll get rid of it all. It's not about us cleaning our lives up. It really isn't. It's not about us trying to make decisions here, there, and everywhere. No, just open yourself to him and say, Lord, you know what? You're holding my hand here. We were reading last, or the last few weeks from Luke chapter 4. I want us to look again at that. We're going to read it for a moment. Luke chapter 4, where Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, we'll, let's keep the, the scriptures up there. Jesus is in his hometown, Nazareth. He's gone there because they are poor. They really are. Nazareth had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. Imagine that. Imagine living in a place and growing up in a place and being a part of a home where you have no expectation for your life and for the community around you. You have no positive expectation. The only expectation that you have for your life is the one that has been bred in you. The one that has been formalized and communicated for generation after generation. Nothing good comes out of this place. Nothing good will come out of your life. Nothing good will come out of your family. And that is the future. That is the expectation that you, that you have regarding your life. This is where these people were at. This is where the synagogue was at. And this is where the community, the city of Nazareth was at. They didn't have any good expectation for their life. Let me ask you regarding the future of your life. Where are you today? Do you have a low expectation? There have been times in my life where I've had a very low expectation. And I'm not saying that I've got a high expectation for my life today. But I know this. God has got a great expectation for all of our lives. He really has. He really has. God has got an expectation for your life and my life to be like Christ, which is the most excellent expectation that anyone can have. To be like Christ. To be conformed to His image. And Jesus goes to Nazareth, this poor, impoverished community. And I believe he went there because he wanted to lift them. He wanted to break that curse of poverty over their lives. And he wanted to speak good news, that's all. 
But this whole church that he was in, this synagogue that he was in, it's as if we see this do not disturb mentality over their mind, over their lives. They didn't want the word of God to come in and break apart that poverty, to dismantle everything that it had done. It's, it's strange, but they didn't want anything good to come out of their lives. Maybe they'd been so molded by that expectation that they couldn't break free from it. You know, sometimes change, when the Word of God comes to us, when the Holy Spirit wants to bring us out of the rut that we've been living in, sometimes change is an awful thing. Change can cause us to fear. Change can cause us to dig our heels in. Change can actually cause us to rebel against God. Even when God wants to do great things for us. Even when God wants to remove our impoverished mind from us. And and bring transformation and beauty. Change. And the changes that God wants to bring sometimes can find us fearful. Can find us suspicious. Can find us even resisting. And that's why the Bible says, if you, hear your, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. His voice is speaking to you. The writer in the New Testament says, his voice is speaking to you today. Don't harden your heart. God's got great things for you. That, that poverty of thinking that's, that's uh, had its way with you, that's made your life like a ruined place, Your life like ashes, like a twisted place, crooked place. That poverty, God wants to change. And God wants to bring good out of it. Don't resist it. Don't resist his changes. But these people on this day were fighting God. When you look at the big picture of it. They were fighting Jesus. He was anointed to change their impoverished picture of God. You see, Jesus wasn't telling them that, you know, he was going to load their bank account with money. This wasn't about money. This wasn't about finances. This was about changing a mentality, changing their expectation, changing their picture of God from one that was tied up in law and ceremony and system and routine to one that was alive and present and new and full of grace and truth. Jesus was God in the midst, the Word made flesh, but they only saw him as Joseph's son. Why? Because they had no expectation for the Scriptures to be fulfilled. Jesus said today, in your midst... I'm bringing fulfillment to all of this. And I've come here to deal with your poverty. Do you know, sometimes God comes to us in the most unexpected places. At the most unusual times where you would not think that you would find him. I remember a long time ago now, battling with fear, irrational fears. 
I'd be fine for a while. And then suddenly this fear. See, fear is a spirit. It's an evil, wicked, devilish spirit. Spirit. You're not talking just about words here. You're talking about an, a real, living, demonic entity. And I remember this spirit of fear, bam, starts speaking to me. Lies and deception and almost twisting the truth and getting you to believe things that are so unimaginable, so, so far away from your life. Wonderful wife, wonderful children, happy home, and suddenly contending with a wicked, evil spirit. And this happened three, four, five, six years. Battling. Oh God, help me, help me, help me. But all things work together for good. To those that love God. To those that are called according to His purpose. I used to preach a message when I was really young called fear or faith. You need to be in faith, not fear. And I used to preach that strong until I went through fear. Now I have a healthy respect for those and a pastoral heart for those who are battling with fear, for those who are struggling in the darkness of the night and battling with depression because the fear, the spirit of fear is hard against them. Do you know what? God will allow it. He allowed it in my life for five years. Five years. Why? Because it was important that it would become my tutor so that I could help people with it. So I'm battling with this stuff and then one day, one day I'm in the foyer and I didn't think that this day was going to be a day of deliverance. It was just a normal Monday or Tuesday. Me and Richard were praying out there and there was about maybe two of us, three of us. I mean, it was the type of prayer meeting that you would think God would never turn up at. It was cold. There wasn't really much expectation possibly from us. We were just, hiya, Rich. Hiya, Dave. How's it going for you? Well, all right, Dave. How's it going for you, Rich? Uh, that was, the, that was the, the environment that we were in. No real high expectation, just... Oh, Jesus, we love you. And going through it a bit, Lord, but we love you. I didn't think that God turned up in prayer meetings like that. Oh, he does. He does. He's watching. The eyes of the Lord, you see, the Bible says, are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. And suddenly, never forget it, I opened the Bible and my eyes fell on the words of a psalm that David spoke. And David said this, like a weaned child is my soul within me. That's all I read. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Instantaneously, completely delivered of five years of fear. Right there from that line. And it's, it hasn't come back since. Instantaneously. 
And God said to me, this is what he said. He said, you're delivered, you're free. Now, that doesn't mean to say that it doesn't attack me. And I don't have to stand my ground. Of course I do. But God said this to me. He said, um, he said you've been like a little child. And you haven't been able to discern what to eat. So you've been eating here and you've been eating there and you've been eating that and you've been eating this. Fear. And, and, and everything's been your diet. But he said, I'm weaning you. I'm weaning you off all of that stuff. Now you're going to eat from the king's table. He sets a table before us in the presence of our enemies, friends, in the presence of fear. In the depression can watch me, fear can watch me. That spirit of fear has to watch me eat from the king's table. Now, why? Because my life has been weaned like a child and, he, and I've been brought onto solid food. And, and that's God. What happened? A crooked place, a twisted place became straight. Became straight. Not by my effort. I could not overcome fear. It's paralyzing. It's powerful. It's aggressive. It doesn't stop or back off. And you walk through it and you do your best. And you keep serving God in season and out of season. And giving thanks to God and praising God. And you do all of that with this thing stalking you. And suddenly God says, enough's enough. The crooked place, the crooked area of your life now is going to become straight. And you're going to eat from the king's table. Woo! But I tell you now, even in all of that trouble, I knew he was holding my hand. I knew he was holding my hand. Let's get James up here. James, we're going to finish. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That church in Nazareth had a do not disturb sign written right over it. And the message from that synagogue was, don't come in here. If you're poor, don't come in here. Don't disturb us. We've got our religious system. We've got our hypocritical mask on. We don't want you with your poverty. We've got nothing for you. And yet Jesus came in and he outlined all of the people that he was going to go to for the next three years of his life. And he said, there's poor people out there, man. There's people with crooked places in their lives, impoverished. They can't overcome their depression and their fear and their anxiety and their drug addiction. Don't point the finger at them. Come on, we've got to immerse our lives in. This is what he was saying. I can't just play religious games and do what you want me to do. He said, I'm going to the poor because there's crooked places out there that I am going to make straight. I'm going to make them straight. Those who have got a wrong picture of God, a broken understanding of God, one that's angry and one that's against them, one that holds their sin against them, I'm going to change that picture and I'm going to show them grace and mercy and truth. 
And I'm going to set them free from sin. I'm going to heal them of all of their diseases. And he did that. He stayed up all night as the city came to the house that he was in. And he healed them all the way through the night. Jesus was this amazing channel of the power of God. Jesus was this amazing channel of the love of God for people. And he could take. That's what I love about Jesus. He could take the power of God. And the anointing of the Spirit of God and channel it. Where there was sickness, he would bring health. Where there was dem- demoniac, where, where there was demonic, d- demon activity, he would bring instantaneous deliverance. And there, nothing could overcome him. And that's why in this place, we point to no other th- than Jesus. We point to no other, no man. No man could do it for you. I tell you now, the postman delivered some mail to us yesterday. I didn't get down on my knees and say, oh, thank you for the the mail that you're, you're dropping through my box. No, he just posted it. I said, thanks, bye. And that's, that's what every preacher is like. Every apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. They're just messengers. They're just postmen. That's all they are. Just like you and me, friends. But the one that we point to is Jesus Christ. The one who has the name above all names. The one that takes the crooked places of our lives and makes them straight. There is no man, woman, or government, or system that can take the crooked, broken places of humanity and make it straight. But there is a God in heaven who has sent His Holy Spirit, who is the helper, the counselor, the deliverer, the one that will never leave you or forsake you. He can make those crooked places straight. He can take the ashes of our lives and make them beautiful. And that is why He, Jesus, is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, He has the name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, my friends. Jesus, Jesus is Lord. He is. And he will share his glory with no man. Let me tell you something about flesh and blood. And the Bible again is faultless on its description. Hold on. Bring it back, Lord. All flesh is as grass. All flesh is just like grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Hallelujah. The promises of God will never fail you, will never falter, will never undeliver. But he will exceed every expectation. For he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give you all things freely what do you need today what crooked area of your life what twisted place of your life do you need straightened out today he will freely give you it he will freely give you it all because he's given Christ his son to die for us do you need healing in your body then humbly go Jesus please do you need strength in a relationship 
Has your, has your, has areas of your relationships failed and faltered? Don't feel condemned today, my friends. Don't feel bad about it. The Lord is on your side. Whom shall you fear? Do you have a divorce looming over your life and you're afraid of it? Well, we are here with you, my friends, and we are going to stand with you. And we'll get under your shoulder, like Dale said, and bear your burden with you. Because we're not going to have any religious, hypocritical, condemning voice in this place. Are you battling with a sin? Then we're your family, and we will be for you, like God is for you and not against you. Are you struggling with past things? Then we're going to encourage you to look forward, to forget the things that are behind and press on to all of the wonderful things that Jesus has for you. We're here together as his body. Jesus. I'm going to restore and bring good news where there's poverty, he said. The captive, the one, and it means this to be captive, under the heel. I'm going to those that are under the heel. They've been under the heel for long enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that heel off them and deliver them with my power. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not a performer. I'm not asking you to be impressed with my power. My power is practical care. My pr- power is to immerse myself in people's problems, to immerse myself in people's issues and get the grip and the power of that heel off people's lives wasn't a performer he didn't need a stage he just went out into the homes out into the highways through their cities through their villages till they didn't know what hit them and he took the heel off people's neck the prisoner he said the brokenhearted that's been shattered those that are held at spear point I'm going to remove all of these threats from people's lives and I'm going to straighten it all out. And then he finally finished with this with his disciples. One day he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And what, is, what are the features that should characterize any church, any family? They should be preaching good news to the poor. They should have a power that can lift the heel off the captive's neck. They are ones that brings beauty for ashes to the brokenhearted. They are ones that goes into the prison, that doesn't stand out outside of the prison calling people out. No, they go right in there to pull people out by the power of God. And these are the things that characterize this church, my friends, and our involvement in it. It really is. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not, he is not repulsed by weakness. He's attracted by it. He immerses himself into it. He really does. Now, as the weeks go on, more and more, we're going to be aware of people around us that need our involvement, that need a hand, that need a kind word, that need a cup of cold water, that need just us to be generous. It may not be this big gospel spiel. No, just how you doing? I'm looking out for you. You know, I said to a young person recently, 
who I could see was troubled. I said, you need to smile more. You've got an amazing smile. Do you know that? I said, your smile is going to give you a great future. I said, there's everything in your... I said, your smile is going to make you prosperous. Started smiling. I said, you've got to smile more. You've got to smile. And you could see the person coming alive. You see, it's in the simplest words. It's in the, it's in the small encouragement. That's where the life of God will flow from. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give him praise this morning. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you. We close our eyes just for a moment. Do you know today, you may be in this place and you say, Dave, when you were talking about those crooked places, those twisted places of life, my life feels like that. I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, maybe you haven't ever asked Jesus into your heart. I want to pray for you too. Because without him, life is twisted. Life is a crooked place. You just seem to go round in circles. But with Jesus at the center, at the center of your heart, life becomes a straight road. It really does. Not necessarily the most easiest road, but it becomes a straight road with him holding your hand. Do you want God to hold your hand today? Do you want your life to become a straight place instead of a crooked place? Then pray this prayer with me right now, inviting Jesus. You're not inviting a man or a woman into your heart. They couldn't do anything for you, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus can do what nobody else can do. I'm going to pray right now. While eyes are closed, pray this prayer. Jesus, I ask you right now, would you come into my heart? Lord, would you save me from the power of sin? I believe that you died for me. I accept that. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day to be my savior and to save me. Now, while eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you quickly lift your hand up? We'll see it. We'll give you a little Bible. Is there one person? Well done, Paul. And there's another gentleman by Tony there. That's right. Don't be afraid. You're just acknowledging. Look at that little girl by there. Hey, well done. That's it. And another gentleman at the back there. That's it on the... That's it. We're a family here. That's it. A gentleman there. That's it. We're in God's presence. His love is for us. And do you know what? The moment you prayed that prayer, Jesus came to live in you. If you'd have put your hand up or not, it's irrelevant, friends. We're just asking you to put your hand up. Sometimes it helps to do that. You can have a Bible and you're acknowledging publicly by putting your hand up. But if you haven't put your hand up, it does not matter. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Be a part of the family. Amen. 